Hello, welcome to our Help Us Help You podcast. My name is Dr Laura Hill and we have a bumper edition of a podcast today. I'm joined by two guests, not only Mark Buckton, South East Coast Ambulance Service Operations Manager. I'm allowed to say Tactical Commander, I prefer that. <laughs> if you must. That's our Crawley base for uh, South East Coast Ambulance, but also Claire Pousty, team lead for the Urgent Treatment Centre here in our lovely Crawley Hospital. So I think today, of course in my usual day job I'm a GP in Crawley we've got a good representation of our frontline NHS staff and while we all look after and look out for our wonderful people in Crawley the advice today that we're discussing is obviously pertinent to everyone from across our Sussex and Surrey counties or further afield in fairness. Good morning both of you. Good morning. Good morning. So Help Us Help You is this new NHS campaign that looks to bring together quite a lot of the messaging that we've sort of rehearsed in these podcasts before, uh, particularly around winter as it approaches. But what does it really mean? For me, it's the principle of reciprocity. That's a long word, isn't it? (laughs) And to save people Googling, it's that social psychology, isn't it, of a positive action creates a positive response. So I suppose in this context, it's about how we as citizens can choose positive ways to look after ourselves that benefit our stretched but very valuable NHS service. Would that be right? Claire, what does it mean for you? Absolutely. I think this campaign is more of an opportunity for people to understand the different alternative services Mm -hmm. locally rather than having to attend a hospital for their condition. Mm -hmm. This includes things such as using pharmacies for things that you would normally go and see your GP with, earaches, coughs, Mm -hmm. colds. And also using things like the 111 out of hours service as well, rather than coming to hospital for conditions that could be seen outside of a hospital setting. So Um, those valuable appointments in the hospital for those who really need them. Yeah, absolutely. For me and, and for the ambulance service, I guess it's about helping people to choose well from that range of services mm-hmm. and to share the responsibility for people's well-being. There's a lot that can be done by individuals to prevent themselves, finding themselves in a situation where they need to escalate mm. and seek that further care, mm. whether that be from a pharmacist to GP or right the way through to an emergency department and an ambulance service. The key theme here seems to be that prevention element, doesn't it? How we prevent ourselves from becoming ill over winter as well plays into that I suppose as well as choosing well when we do get ill because it happens to most of us doesn't it let's face it so what can we all collectively do you know there's some sort of national advice isn't there about how to keep ourselves well over winter heating our homes to at least 18 degrees C I prefer my living room warmer, but anyway, that's a sort of minimum. There's uh, that argument between uh, spouses about what the right temperature is, but we're saying 18, are we? So my husband wins that argument. Um, keeping your bedroom window closed on winter nights is another one. I can understand that from the perspective of breathing cold air, especially if you have respiratory conditions or heart conditions. But for me, I suppose I need to make sure that the message we're sending is a bit more holistic in that we do still see cases of carbon monoxide poisoning. So whilst it's important to keep warm and keep those windows closed, also boiler servicing isn't it and carbon monoxide alarms I just want to mention those really important that actually think about how we keep our homes safe for ourselves over winter as well and keeping active when you're indoors that's I suppose more about if you're more vulnerable or less able to be active it is about trying to be a little bit more active in in the day at home 
So if you're sitting still for long periods, your core body temperature will drop and that does make you feel more chilly. So moving around will keep your core body temperature more stable and you'll keep yourself warmer. And it also decreases any other risks from being very immobile. So there are other conditions that can arise if you're not mobile. People may have heard of conditions like deep vein thrombosis, which you can get in your calves if you're very immobile and that risks you having quite a significant pulmonary embolus which is where the clot can travel into the lungs and that is life-threatening so you know whilst we joke about the temperature of the room etc actually being a bit more mobile when you're indoors or you even see it in students don't you when they're studying for long periods important then just to take regular breaks and stretch your ankles like you would do on a plane etc keep hydrated I think also just adding on from the issues around closing bedroom windows and and not worsening respiratory and heart conditions, one of the other practical things when people are outdoors, certainly in cold weather, is just to loosely cover the face with a a scarf, something loose-fitting that allows free passage of air, but just allows the air to warm before it runs through the nose and into the mouth. Mm. We see a lot of patients in the winter months who are suffering from chronic respiratory and cardiac conditions whose conditions are worsened by just that temperature change and if they're out and about covering the face loosely allowing the air to warm before they inhale it will reduce the risks of those exacerbations yeah that's quite a significant risk isn't it very much so from patients of mine yeah very much so and we see that out you know in in the community very regularly over the winter i think other other things that we can do i mean we we often joke don't we that in the uk we have a bit of a weather weather is a national pastime for (laughs) us but we don't necessarily always plan in the way that we could do practical things like just wearing appropriate footwear wearing appropriate clothing when you're outside particularly during icy or snowy weather carrying a mobile phone with you that is charged Mm -hmm. not just the phone but actually has some charge on it if you do find yourself needing help and you're not sure where you are this is particularly true for people who are out walking perhaps in in the winter Mm. we have technology that will allow us to track you more and find you more easily through a mobile phone Mm, that's reassuring planning ahead for weather forecasts and road conditions if you are out in the car and just deferring trips where you can so when you don't need to be out let's not go out Um, And then if you are out in your car, certainly just making sure you're sensibly prepared there. So if you're out and it's going to be dark, you've got a torch, you've got a shovel, you've got the appropriate outer coats, uh, outer wear uh, and footwear, etc. So that you can get yourself out of trouble or keep yourself safe if you're in trouble whilst you're waiting for some help, if the worst does happen. Mm. One other thing is, I think, particularly for older people or those with mobility issues, is for us to actually be checking in on those people as as part of our community. There is a risk of real isolation for for those people. And they have practical needs too that need to be met. And if we're in adverse weather, then let's just tap on the door, find out how we can help and just keep people connected to the community. Yeah, I know that's absolutely spot on. In our busy lives, it's easy, isn't it, to overlook that neighbourliness that we've lost from years gone by, but it's so important. You mentioned some of the sort of common scenarios your crews might be called out for, Mark. Are there any other sort of common call-outs that they may be called to? I think there are probably three. So one is falls, largely related to slipping, falling in icy or snowy weather some of which is, you know, it's largely avoidable mm-hmm. by, by planning appropriately. The second is exacerbations of underlying chronic health conditions, mm-hmm. often related to uh, perhaps, again, not planning, forward planning for medication. 
So people running out of medications mm-hmm. um, and then being unable to secure another supply, mm. or at least not in the timescale that they needed in. So that, again, is about planning ahead. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not something really that the ambulance service is able to help you with. That's something that needs to be done with your primary carers, with your GPs and pharmacists. That's right. But we do find ourselves being involved in that at an emergency point. Mm. And then the other, I suppose the final group, is alcohol-related incidents. Um, And they are a combination of medical issues where people have overestimated their ability to cope Mm. with the amount that they're drinking. And the other is the trauma that comes from that. So people falling, people misjudging their... uh, having having a lack of awareness of their own surroundings. And that frequently involves, for example, road traffic collisions involving pedestrians, yes. which where they're just not aware of, you know, the spatial awareness is impacted significantly by alcohol. Yeah. We do frequently attend road traffic collisions where the drivers who, who are involved in those incidents and accidents have themselves been drinking, you know, an entirely avoidable situation. Yeah. So yeah. again, all about planning, yeah, all absolutely. about if you are going out, then have somebody else that can drive you. Yeah. or use a taxi. Yeah. There were many campaigns years ago, weren't there, about actually looking out for your friends and encouraging them not to be picking their keys up after you've been out, etc. So really valuable advice. I think particularly around the running out of medicines, that can be difficult. And it's sometimes, you know, unavoidable for various situations, isn't it? But if you regularly pick up your prescriptions from a pharmacy, they will usually be able to honour an emergency sort of supply if you run out as well and don't know what to do. So that's, yeah. that's always to be remembered. So a lot of those call-outs then actually could have been prevented if we'd planned or thought more practically ahead and other options Claire there's many other places to get advice aren't there not least from your lovely UTC there are so yeah the urgent treatment centre is a walk-in service for Mm. patients with injuries and urgent conditions that need to be seen that day and cannot wait yes so anybody that comes with a condition that doesn't fit into that criteria there's lots of different options that different other services they can go to like the local pharmacy and can give lots and lots of advice on coughs and colds and viral type illnesses that don't need antibiotics Mm -hmm. and things that patients can self-manage at home Mm. but if it is something that needs to be seen urgently that day the urgent treatment centre is the place for patients to come. So do you see many patients then in a day who actually probably could have thought differently and used say the 111 service or their pharmacist first? Yeah we see a number of of patients that come in with things that could easily be managed at home. And are people accepting of being advised to go and seek some advice elsewhere? They are, as long as there's an alternative service for them to go to. And I think patients would rather do that than sit in a waiting room with lots of other patients when actually they could be advised elsewhere. How do your staff determine the sort of person that is appropriate to be seen in the UTC or could be helped by a service somewhere else? So all patients will be assessed by a trained nurse and they will ask the patient their symptoms and when they started they may also do their blood pressure and other things like temperature and depending on on the condition the nurse will then use that information to be able to advise whether it's appropriate to stay in the urgent treatment center Mm -hmm. or whether it's more appropriate to go back to their gp or a pharmacy Mm -hmm. so they use a range of different questioning just to find that out Mm. they can also give uh, advice on self-care management as well but obviously that depends on what they come in with 
And I know our emergency crews use the urgent treatment centre appropriately rather than going all the way up to Red Hill to actually do an emergency. We're trying as best we can to deliver care for people either in or close to their homes. Wonderful. And by way of context for that, less than a third of patients that actually make a 999 call to the ambulance service will actually be conveyed to an emergency department. So I'm not sure that's well understood, but that's the reality. Thank you. So there's a couple of other things I just wanted to touch on today, if I may, which both do increase pressure on services. And we talk about it in great detail, this first one, flu vaccination, (laughs) but actually really important to ensure you get your flu jab. It protects both adults and children at risk of flu and flu's complications. The vaccine is free for those in at-risk groups and you can check your eligibility online at nhs.uk. And that second one is consumption of alcohol. We've touched on it already, haven't we, Mark? party seasons just around the corner mm-hmm. lots of short and long-term risks of alcohol misuse some of them you've already described accidents requiring hospital treatment violent behavior and then of course there's the way alcohol affects your judgment isn't it and, and the decisions we might make that we might not have made under the, the same influence of alcohol unprotected sex potentially leads to unplanned pregnancies, sexually transmitted infections, and then alcohol poisoning. Sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? But actually, uh, it happens. Do you see it in your service, Mark? Absolutely. And I think that's it's easy to underestimate the impact of excessive drinking as just being you know, a little bit tipsy or, or a bit too drunk. But yeah. actually, I've seen people who are incredibly, incredibly unwell yeah. as a result of excessive alcohol. So it absolutely does. Alcohol poisoning is a reality yeah. and an avoidable one. We see a lot of patients coming in that have been drinking, especially the morning after the night before with ankle injuries, falls, head injuries, mm. and it does impact on the service. And really it's about, you know, the message that we've been talking about is, is just reducing your intake and just being aware, really. Looking after yourself. Absolutely, it? yeah. Treating yeah. yourself with yeah. the respect that you deserve. Yeah. It's many years since I've worked in accident and emergency, but the level of aggression that actually staff receive when people are misjudging you know the interactions because of alcohol behaving very out of character often yes and that makes that very difficult for people that are using the service as well for other patients Mm. it's just not pleasant what does your waiting room look like over christmas busy i imagine very busy so last year christmas christmas eve was very very busy Mm. and i think looking back that was due to those excessive pressure on 111 service, Mm -hmm. the GPs and the run up to Christmas. But Christmas Eve for us was unprecedented. It was exceptionally busy. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of patients in one area waiting to see the doctor. It is really quite stressful for patients as well because they're under a lot of pressure to get things done Christmas Eve. They want to be well before they get home and they want Christmas Day to be good. So you find that you get a big influx of patients wanting all their medical conditions sorting. Whereas actually, again, a number of those patients that we did see over Christmas um, could easily have been seen by 111 uh, local pharmacies and other healthcare providers rather than sitting in that busy waiting room. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the winter period generally, but the Christmas period in particular that Claire was just referring to is always a real, real peak of demand for us. And Mm. and we, we did the very best that we can, but, you know, we have increasing demand with limited resources Mm. we are doing our best always to triage those resources appropriately Mm. wonderful and just in the the vein of social responsibility it is sadly i have to say not uncommon for me to hear from a patient 
that having tried to access an alternative service, they feel they need to call 999 because that is not conveniently quick enough. I can remember two such incidences just over the last, you know, few months. So shocking as it is, and most of us will choose responsibly, there are some who may wish to rethink next time they feel that that is an appropriate response. Clearly, if it's an emergency, that's different, but for convenience, that's not appropriate. There are some patients that think that calling an ambulance and coming in via ambulance will speed up their care um, and actually that isn't the case, especially if it's in an inappropriate use of an ambulance. You will still be seen in the same way that anybody that walks into the urgent treatment centre specifically will be seen. So calling that ambulance and putting more demand on, on the ambulance service will not get you seen quicker. And I think also in the context of, I was talking before about less than a third of our calls result in a conveyance mm. to hospital, we will frequently refer those patients back to that service, in fact, that they could have tried before calling us. Yes. So just because we're there doesn't mean our only default position is to convey that patient somewhere. We will use that appropriate pathway yeah. on behalf of that patient. So we will refer them back into the system in the right way. So as patients and responsible citizens, we should be not upset if that is the response that that we get. So not only are services clearly under pressure during the winter and in the run-up to Christmas, it is quite can be quite an emotional time actually for us all and maybe a time of reflection on our lifestyle and our own well-being. I had a really good conversation yesterday with a couple of professionals who run the wellbeing centre at K2 in Crawley and that's a service set up specifically to help you think sensibly about your lifestyle and support you with any changes or goals that you wish to make as well. So I suppose in this new year of reflection (laughs) as we um, enter the Christmas season that's there but equally if people feel that there are pressures in their life that are leading them to maybe drink to an excess that they feel they need help with. Help is there. Wellbeing hubs are accessible throughout the county as well, so do go online to find your local wellbeing hub. So thank you for your company, guys. One last question. I'm about to get my flu jab. Have you had yours? I had mine last week. I can honestly say I didn't know it had been done. (laughs) Oh, well done. And I've got mine booked for Thursday. So there you go. Good. Leading by example. Wonderful. So we're all doing our bit. Are you doing yours to help us help you? Thanks for listening.